Welcome to the refreshing word of Calvary Baptist Church, Accra. In Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 25, God says, I'll refresh the weary and satisfy the faint. Does God care about you? Do you need divine wisdom for living? Tune in to the refreshing words of Calvary Baptist Church as Reverend Dr. Fred Digby, the senior pastor, and other ministers share the word of God with you. This on every Saturday from 8 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. on Sunny 88.7 FM. And now, the message. Our gracious God and Father, we thank you, we praise you, and we honor you. You have made it possible for us to come to you to speak your words. Thank you. The radio is available to carry your message to homes and to hearts and to make them fertile. I pray that your word will give us direction and encouragement and give us the light that we need in this world. Thank you for hearing us because we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Pastor Fred Digby. Thank you for joining us again as we continue our study in the book of Joshua. If you've been with us, thank you for coming back. If this is your first time, you're still welcome. I read along with us the book of Joshua because what we're trying to do here is to pick major lessons from this book for our guidance. We've looked at a few chapters already, but what we've basically seen is that in the book of Joshua, God encouraged his people after 40 years of wandering in the desert to now go to the promised land. And there's a new leader that is to take on this assignment. And this new leader is Joshua. The book is about how they conquered the land, how they settled on the land. And as we'll see, it is not the land and this conquering that God is interested in today. God is interested in our settling down in this world and enjoying the life that he's giving us, overcoming the world, the flesh, and the devil. So he picked Joshua, a man who grew up as a slave, a man who was picked up because he proved himself loyal in the service to Moses. He was Moses' servant, and he had learned the ropes. He had been with Moses through thick and thin. And because he was faithful, God found in him a man that needed to take his people to the promised land as a successor of Moses. Now, before that background, we see them moving up. And in Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 to 9, that we'll read today, and even to some parts of the end, and we'll read them as we go along, you'll find God giving charge to his leader, to this newfound leader, Joshua. Joshua has been waiting to take over the baton from Moses and lead on. And he has heard and seen it all, the difficult charge it is to lead people, and you know it. So be encouraged. God called and God commissioned him. But what we see today is God's encouragement. Something we must know, that when God has called you and given you a task, he commissions you, he encourages you, he empowers you to do it. Are you a father? Are you a mother? Are you a pastor? Are you a political leader? Are you a social leader? 
Do you have a responsibility? You're wondering, am I able to do it? Have you given your life to Jesus? Is he your Lord and Savior? If your answer is yes, then the Lord who has called you, who knows your capacity, has given you a task and will help you. And so we see encouragement that God gave Joshua. We see that he encourages Joshua, who is God's appointed leader. Joshua then encourages his officers. And then we see the leaders or the officers also encouraging Joshua or promising that they'll be with him. So let's take first the encouragement that God gives to Joshua. Somebody has said uh, in the dictionary, the word to encourage literally means to put heart into. That is, put heart into what you are doing. Or God is putting his life, his word into Joshua. Encourage, do it, and do it well. Every leader needs encouragement, not just advice. It needs encouragement. Sometimes when you don't know what somebody is going through, you may give the person advice upon advice upon advice. But what they really may need is an encouragement to do the right thing and to follow what God has taught them or what God is leading them to do or even encourage them to wait on the Lord. God encouraged Joshua because God commissioned him. God clearly told Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, he says, After the death of Moses, the Lord's disciple, God spoke to Moses' assistant, and he said to him, Now my disciple is dead. You are the new leader of Israel. Lead my people across the Jordan into the promised land. You see, whether we like it or not, God will change any leader one. He will change you. I mean, he'll replace you. That's what I mean. He'll replace you. Whether you're a president, a pastor, a leader, he'll change you. And when he changes you, it may not mean that you are finished, but he may change you by calling you home, you die, or bring somebody to succeed you. Or if there's a tenure, that tenure has ended, you move on. It doesn't mean God has rejected you. He has something for you to do. And then he may bring a new person to a position. As I said, I dedicate part of this to new leaders who find themselves in leadership position, that you should take courage. Joshua learned how to obey as God's servant, following Moses. And before God could command him to follow Moses and to lead his people, God had tested him. Those who never have learned to obey cannot be good commanders. No. God commissioned him to lead his people to the land, to defeat the enemy, and to claim God's inheritance. And so God encouraged him. He said, look, as I was with Moses, I am going to be with you. This is God himself giving him encouragement. And he was there. God used Moses for many, many, many miracles. And a tough, very tough assignment. And God will be with you too. God gave him encouragement, not only by words, but by the promises that God gave him. It's fascinating to see God asking him to follow his promises and to chew his promises, to meditate on his promises. I say to you, as I said to Moses, wherever you go will be part of the land that I will give to Israel. Be strong and brave, for you will be a successful leader. And you and my people, you will conquer the land. You see, 
God gave him promise. He encouraged the leader because of the commission he gave him. But because God wanted him to succeed, he gave him specific promises. We see three specific promises here. That he will enter the land, he will have victory over the enemy, and he will divide the land. Hallelujah. Three special promises, each for each task that God gave him. That he will cross the river. Verses 3 and 4. Fascinating verse. Look what God told him. Look, my friend, I say to you what I said to Moses. Wherever you go will be part of the land of Israel. All the way from the Negev desert to the south of Lebanon. The mountains in the north and the Mediterranean Sea. In the west of the Euphrates River. All the east, including all the land of the Hittites. Yes, you will claim you will cross the river. <laughs> I'm sure Joshua is wondering, wow, look, we crossed the Red Sea, and now there's a river, so you will cross it. So when you cross it, second promise, you will defeat the enemy. So no one, verse 5, no one will be able to oppose you as long as you live, for I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not abandon you. I will not fail you. Hallelujah. And then the assignment, specific assignment, you will divide the land. These people are difficult, but I've given them lands according to the promise to Abraham, according to what Jacob gave to his children, according to some of the choices they made. You would execute those things. Only be brave and be strong, for you will be a successful leader of my people, and they shall conquer all the land I promised to their ancestors. So God said, you will enter the land. Yes, over the centuries, God had promised them. God told Abraham, and Abraham left home, but he never got to the promised land. When the people were leaving Egypt, after wandering for many, many years, they got to a place, number 13. They said, no, 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 we are not able to go. But God had already given them the land, and it was their responsibility now, to step forth in faith and claim it. The same promise of victory God gave to Moses, he now reaffirmed to Joshua, and he carefully defined the borders of Israel. God, our God, knows what he's doing. He has commissioned you, and he will help you to be what he wants you to be. You see, isn't that wonderful that today, as I said earlier, the Bible clearly teaches that we are engaged in a battle, but that battle has already been won for us by Jesus Christ. That's why we read in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, how we praise God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every blessing in heaven because we belong to Christ. He has blessed us. It's past. It is done. We might just step out in faith and claim them. Yes, he's there with you and I. Are we going to believe in his word? Yes, there was a promise for the land, but it's also a promise about the enemy. The Lord told Abraham that other nations were in the land, but he would, he would lead him. He would guide him. If Israel obeyed the Lord, he promised to help them, but he warned them never and ever to compromise. Otherwise, 
They will win the war, but lose the victory. Yes, possible sometimes to win a war and lose a victory. Unfortunately, as we see in the life of Israel, that's what happened to them. The Jews began to worship other gods, other pagan gods, and got themselves involved in evil practices and idolatry, and God had to chasten them later on. The next book after Joshua is called the book of Judges. We see they entered the promised land, but they messed up again. Big time. You and I are not to be like that. We have to win over the devil. There are some who become Christians, and yet they have some habits that they keep. And a lying tongue. They are greedy. They cheat. They are immoral. They are corrupt. They can't tell the truth. These people, I tell you, my brother, my sister, God expects us to win the victory over the enemy. You see, because we are also engaged in a war. See, and God says we are engaged in a war and we must win. That is why Jesus is our leader. Say, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. God is with us. That's his name, Emmanuel. God is with us. He's with us. He will never give up on you. When he was born, he was given a name, Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And he himself promised in Matthew 28, 20, look, I would not forsake you. I am with you always, even up to the end of the age. This means that as God's people, we must move forward and be assured of God's presence. Paul could therefore say confidently, if God be for us, who can be against us? Before Joshua could conquer anything or anybody, God was with him and God promised him victory over the enemy. Today, God promises us victory over the enemy. Would you take God's word seriously? I know the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal. They are mighty through God. We see the Lord himself winning the battle over the enemy. In Matthew 4, that old enemy came, the enemy who came to the Garden of Eden to tempt Adam and Eve, still came around. After 40 days of Jesus' prayer and fasting, he came tempting him and tempting him and tempting him. And Jesus had to tell him, it is written, it is written, it is written. Yes, Joshua won the victory over the enemy. Jesus won the victory over the enemy. And you and I are to win the victory over the enemy as well. Hallelujah. So God gave him that promise. And that promise is still valid. I am with you. The third promise God gave is that you will divide the land. You, you will do it. You will divide the land as an inheritance for the conquering tribes. Joshua 1, 6. Be strong and brave, for you will be a successful leader of my people, and they shall conquer all the land I promised to their ancestors. You need courage. God was encouraging him that he would do it. You see why I'm saying that when you're a new leader or an old leader, when you have a leader with you, ask him, what has God called you to do? What, what are you passionate about? What vision has God given you? And pray for them that no matter what the opposition, they'll focus on the goal. This is God's assurance that the enemy will be defeated and that Israel will possess their land. 
God will keep his promise to Abraham and his descendants and will inherit the land. And the book of Joshua recalls the fulfillment of these three promises. The first in chapters 2 to 5, you see them entering the land. The second in chapters 6 to 12, we see victory over one enemy after the other. And the third in chapters 13 to 22, we see how the land was divided. At the close of the life of Joshua, he could remind the leaders of Israel in an amazing verse, 23, Joshua 23, 14. Let me jump ahead of my, he said, look, not one thing has filled of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. All have come to pass. Not one of them has filled, praise the Lord. Before God could fulfill the promises, however, Joshua had to exercise faith and to be strong and courageous. So God encouraged him. But you see, it's an amazing thing. The encouragement came from God's written word. You have to meditate on the word. Be strong. Be very courageous. Do nothing else. Be strong. Know my word. Read my word. Meditate on them. Where do you get encouragement from? From the Bible, it is clear. You only need to be strong and courageous to obey the letter of the law that Moses gave you. For if you are careful to obey every one of them, you will be successful in everything you do. Constantly remind the people about these laws and you yourself must think about them every day and every night so that you will be sure to obey them. For only then will you succeed. People are looking for ways to succeed, 10 ways to succeed, 11 ways to succeed, 7 things to succeed. And most times, it doesn't have anything to do with the Word of God. But I see, in God's world, the only way you succeed is to play it according to the Word of God. Recently, I saw a friend who was telling me how sick he is. And they were telling him there are so many things he has done and his life is now in a mess. When he was narrating, I could tell that he was feeling very guilty. This is somebody who thought life could be lived anyhow. He would eat wrongly, he would drink, he would smoke, he would live life to enjoy. And it has taken a toll on his liver, on his kidney, and everything. And now he's in pain, suddenly. So, and I realize. My body is a temple of God. Yes. He's asking God to forgive him. Yes, God will forgive you. He may heal you, but the scars will remain. Will you obey God's word and follow it? So God encouraged him from his word. And particularly, God said, As I was with Moses, I will be with you also. I've commanded you to do something. Be bold and be strong. Banish fear and doubt. Remember, the Lord is with you wherever you go. Be strong and don't get discouraged. So you see this beautiful thing that God did here. God encourages later. He encouraged him because he had commissioned him. He encouraged him because he needed those promises to do exactly what God has commissioned him to do. And God said, the encouragement comes from my word. Meditate on my word. There's a word from God for you for every season. 
every trial, every temptation, every sickness. Look, the word of God is from God to you and I. And there's nothing in the world that has never happened that God knows nothing about. If even is knowing the word directly, as you meditate on the word, his spirit will minister to you and I who live on this side of the cross. Because the Lord himself is with you. He will be your comfort. He will take you through. So God encourages him and encourages us to read his word, to follow his commandment. But then the second encouragement is that now Joshua encourages his own leaders and his own officers. Sometimes a leader may know where he's going and those following him do not know where he's going or they don't want to go or they are afraid or they are following him but they are following themselves. A house divided against itself cannot stand and they cannot be successful. If a family is not united, they will not achieve much. A church is not united, they will not achieve much. If ministers, whether they are ministers of state or whatever ministers they are called, will not follow the leadership of their president, no, they won't succeed. So now we see Joshua chapter 1, verses 10 to 15. Joshua now turning to the officers. Joshua then instructed the leaders of Israel, tell the people, get ready and cross the river Jordan. In three days, we'll go across and conquer and live in the land which God has given you, he told them. So he summoned all the people, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. It's now time to go. He organized them. You see how organization is very important in the life of the leader. He told the people, just get ready. Now they have settled down. So three days. So preparation. Your boxes or your, your, your canopies or your tent or whatever you need for your children, your shoes, whatever you need. You see, there's a lot of planning in the Bible. Life must be planned. Life must be thought through. God himself planned the world and executed it. And you and I must succeed and live according to the plan God gives us. So the leader, Joshua, is now encouraging his officers, get round to the people, inform them, get them ready. Many, many times we fail as leaders because we don't communicate what we are about to do. We don't let our people know where we are headed. All the people who know do not share with, with others. He's sharing with them now so that they will get ready. Why? Perhaps he remembers that 40 years earlier at Kadesh Barnea, the nation knew the will of God, but they refused to obey. They refused to obey because they believed the report of the 10 spies. And instead of believing the commandment of God and obeying by faith, they listened to the negative report. If they are listening to Caleb and Joshua, the minority, the minority huh, they would have spared themselves the years of wandering in the desert, burying their friends, their loved ones, and their parents. But now it's time to move on. Those 40 years are wasted and they are gone and there's no need to cry about them. Get up and go. There are some of us who spend time crying about spilt milk. But it's time to move on. 
And here he's encouraging the leaders. Yes, you are now the new leaders. You go on. But there's something very curious when he charges them to go in the verses we read. If you read those verses again, you see something. Joshua chapter 1 verses 10 to 15. That is this curious thing. Two and a half tribes who lived on the other side of the Jordan. They had already negotiated with Moses. And Moses gave them the land that they wanted. They wanted land at the other side. And they said, we don't want to cross over and go to the place we like here. Where we have seen, we like it. Mataheko, let me just settle here. Well, Moses said, if that's what you want to do, fine. They were like Fulani men or women. They had cattle and they saw the land and they got so excited about it. So they said, okay, we are okay here. And there was a concession. Moses agreed that the two and a half tribes could live outside the promised land because they liked the land because it was a place for cattle. In Numbers 32, verses 1 and 4 and 16, we see it. Apparently, their concern was making a living, not making a life. They know what they want. They've seen it already, and therefore they will take it. They'd rather have big, big flocks and dwell in the land and be comfortable than join their brothers and sisters. They were not about to go anywhere else. And we see people in the world like that. They like it's love at first sight. What they like, what they see, the woman they like, the man they like, the cars, the title, the money, they say forget it. Sometimes those things even prevent them from doing the will of God. Ah, well, Moses said, fine, if you want to do that, fine. You want it, I'll give it to you. Isn't it amazing that Moses agreed and God agreed? There are people who come to the house of God. You wonder why they are in the house of God. Because they have chosen to be borderline Christians. One foot in the church, another foot in the world. They are carnal Christians. They come and they lie, they cheat, they come and take advantage of the church, take advantage of people. Sometimes they come to church to steal. But God knows them, he sees them. And they do not enjoy the full blessings of God. They are borderline. They still are in the church today. They are willing to serve the Lord and to do something for a while. But when life becomes difficult, they go back to their comfort zone. May you not be like that. So encourage the leaders, all those who are ready to go, organize them and we'll go. And they say, okay, we'll get the people ready. Those who are willing will go. So you see the leader encouraging his officers to do the right thing. But the third type of encouragement we see here is an amazing one. We see the officers encourage their leader. They now turn and speak to their leader. And I'll just read it to you. Very fascinating. You will think that because God appointed Joshua, all he needed to do is follow the advice of God and the word of God. That is true. But are the people following him? Joshua 1, 16 to 18. To this they fully agreed and pledged themselves to obey Joshua as their commander-in-chief. I'm reading from the TLB, today's Living Bible. Verse 17, we will obey you just as we obeyed Moses, they assured him. And may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. 
If anyone, no matter who, rebels against your commands, he shall die. So lead on with courage and strength. Hallelujah. Here are the leaders. They probably referred to all the officers. They had seen how the, the earlier group suffered. And now they came and said, we will follow you. They assured Joshua of their complete obedience. Say, command us and we will obey. Send us, we will go. These officers had no hidden agenda. All they wanted to do was to serve the Lord. Blessed is the church. Blessed is the pastor. Blessed is the nation. Full of people whose desire is to please the Lord. Whose desire is to do what God wants. Is for their nation to progress. Their company to progress. Their business to progress. Not just come to steal and to plunder. Too many times we have people who come there. Who are in churches, groups, nations. And they are nation breakers. May God help us. He said, we will, we will do whatever you call us to do. And truly, they did. And God was with them. And they gave the word of encouragement to the leader. We are with you. If a church will be like that, if a group will be like that, if a nation will be like that, they would progress. And friends, as I bring the word of God to a close today, the only one who can encourage you in this world more than even a friend, is your Lord and Savior. Say, I am with you always. Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? Have you given your life to him? Are you meditating on his word? Why don't you turn to him today? Say, Lord, I need you. I will follow you. Guide me. And let me do the right thing. May his word dwell in you richly until we meet again. You are blessed now and forevermore. Amen. This has been the radio broadcast by Calvary Baptist Church with Reverend Dr. Fred Digby, our senior pastor. We hope this message blessed you. Be sure to join us, God willing, next week, the same time and station. We are in Adabraka, opposite Mr. Big's restaurant, near the Kwame Nkrumah Interchange. Also in Shiashi, across the motorway from the Accra Mall and Botiano. Call us on 0243-690-485 or 0302-231-854. Contact us on WhatsApp at 0200-181-680. Visit us online at www.calvarybaptistgh.org. Write to us, Calvary Baptist Ghana at yahoo.com.